The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It is two years today, if you can believe it, uh, two years ago when Russia and Ukraine were on the brink of war. Russia launched their full scale invasion of Ukraine in the early hours of February 24th, 2022. Uh, with me to reflect now is Cormac Smith. Cormac is a former advisor to Ukraine's government, the foreign minister specifically from 2016 to 2018. And Kira Rudik, who is a member of parliament in Ukraine, people's deputy uh, of the country. Kira, you're welcome to the show and, and thank you for taking the time to speak to us again. Um, how do you reflect now on the last two years? Hello, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you see, our plan and our goal did not change. The goal is to liberate our country, to regain all our territories. We did not want this war. Russia started it on us, not two years ago, but 10 years ago. And no matter that for uh, two years ago, uh, not too many people in the world believed that we will be able to stand for more than a couple of days, we are still here and we are ready to fight. We have shown the world some amazing example of courage, some amazing example of ability to fight back and fight for what is important for you. And we are at the point where we are right now for two main reasons. The first reason is uh, brave men and women of Ukraine who are fighting at the front. But the second reason is brave men and women of the free world who are standing with us, who are supporting us and who are pushing their governments to do the right thing, to stand with Ukraine. And what we need right now is to switch the perception of all those good people from helping Ukraine to fight to letting Ukraine win the war. And this means of giving us the weapons that we really, really need, of making sure that the sanctions actually work and Russia is unable to produce more weapons. And third and very important point is hitting Russia where it hurts, is making sure that Russian money that are being frozen right now in the democratic countries, it's $500 billion, that they are being confiscated and used to help Ukraine. And, and Kira, the shortage of weapons and ammunition, is that the most acute problem right now? Absolutely. And it's influencing every single angle of our life, starting from the way of how people are fighting at the front, where they feel the shortage really critically and they are reporting on it every single day. But it also affects life of people in the peaceful cities where you go to bed and you do not know if you are going to wake up in the morning because we do not know if our air defense systems will have enough of the, uh, of the missiles to fight Russians attack back and to make sure that they protect us from the missiles hit of our home. And what is life like then for people, people living in Kiev, Kira, and people living closer to the front line? Well, let me tell you a personal story. On January 2nd, there was a barrage missile attack on Kiev, where I live. And one of the explosions was really near my home. And I have witnessed it uh, being inside the home, how my windows were pulled out of their frames and thrown in the middle of the room. I have seen the, this explosion and um, uh, the fire and the dark smoke, and it really felt like Armageddon. And, you know, the worst thing about it is that as a citizen, as a human being, there is absolutely nothing that you can do against the huge pile of metal that is coming from the sky to kill you and everything that you loved and worked for. Nothing. 
And this is what it feels every single night because we go to bed. We don't know if we are going to wake up in the morning. We wake up out of the air raid sirens and uh, we spend many of our days in the bomb shelters where the kids are also studying and people just to have remain uh, because there is a huge threat to their lives. And the closer it is to the front, the more intense it is when the Russian artillery, because they do not have the shortage of the uh, ammunition, they can attack us uh, constantly. Mm. And it is like the ongoing terror that happens over and over and over. And we can stop it and we are willing to stop it and we will stop it. We just need means in our hands. We need the weapons and ammunition for that. And Kira, what, what's your message to people who, who talk Talk about, you know, uh, Ukraine fatigue and the need now for negotiations with Russia. Well, first, in Ukraine, we say that only people who can talk about fatigue are the people fighting at the front. So even we uh, who live in uh, fairly peaceful cities, we do not allow ourselves to talk about that. Second point is who or what in the whole world are able to make sure that Putin will keep his part of the deal if there would be any kind of the negotiation at all. You have heard the man. You have seen what he has done. Do you think that he will keep his part of the bargain? Do you think that he will stop at something? And the answer is no. And I think after the death of Alexei Navalny, uh, there, there are more, many more people who understand that Putin would not stop unless he stopped. And we intend to do this. I mentioned Cormac Smith, the former strategic communication uh, advisor to the foreign minister of Ukraine from 2016 to 2018. Cormac, you're welcome to the show. How do you reflect on the situation now in the country? Kieran, thank you for having me on. And Kira, um, hello to you. Um, hello. Look, I would support everything that Kira says. I think how I would reflect on it, we at the moment are letting Ukraine down. Um, Ukraine, the suffering of the Ukrainian people is currently like nothing that has been seen on the European continent since the Second World War. And if you want an absolute equivalent, it is absolutely valid to compare Vladimir Putin with Adolf Hitler. This is, um, so I would pick up a couple of things that Kira said. Kira said that we need to move from fight from talk in the West of fighting to winning. How often have we heard people say we are with Ukraine for as long as it takes? We are yet to hear Western leaders set the objective. We are in this until Ukraine wins. And that brings us on to the weapons. Mm. And I always quote Oleksiy Reznikov, who was the last Minister of Defence of Ukraine and the Minister of Defence for the first year and a half of the war. And Oleksiy went on CNN in December 2021, just before Christmas, and he said, we do not need or expect your boots on the ground. Just give us the weapons we need and we will do our own fighting. By God, the Ukrainians have shown the world their bravery and how they can fight. But there are three weapon systems they have been crying out for and have needed almost from day one. They are modern battle tanks, which we have started giving them. They need about 500, despite the fact we have been giving them modern battle tanks for almost a year now. The Brits were the first to do it with the Challengers. We have still given them less than 100 
combined of Challengers, American Abrams and German Leopard 2 tanks. They need long-range artillery. Again, you know, I've got to speak up for the Brits. The Brits were the first ones to give them Storm Shadow, this long-range cruise missile, which the Ukrainians have made fantastic use of. They are still not getting sufficient long-range artillery, a system called Attackums in particular from the United States and a system called Taurus from Germany. And it is inconscionable that we are not providing these weapons. And, of course, the third weapon that they have needed and one of the reasons that the counteroffensive last year stalled was the lack of air cover. They have been crying out for modern jets. There has been a lot of talk. They still to my knowledge, have not got F-16s in their hands. It is now getting worse. We are at a point now because of the shenanigans that are going on in Washington, D.C., and with the with the speaker, um, uh, Michael Johnson, who is a puppet of Donald Trump, who in turn is a puppet of Vladimir Putin, blocking $50 billion worth of aid. We also saw the shenanigans going on last year in the European Union with Viktor Orban blocking European Union aid. We seem to have got over that. The result of this is Ukrainian troops who are dying daily on the front are running out of ammunition. They have lost most recently the strategically important town of Avdivka, and they have had to withdraw from that. Right across the contact line, Ukraine's forces are having to switch from offence to defence. So when I hear people saying the counteroffensive last year failed, no, it didn't. We expected the Ukrainians to to prosecute a counteroffensive under conditions that no NATO country would have considered since 1945, i.e. without sufficient air cover and long-range artillery. So it was it was probably with retrospect, we can say it was doomed from the beginning. And the final thing, Kieran, that I will say, the biggest message, and I've done a lot of interviews this week, the biggest message which is still not landing with most people in the West, be it here in Ireland or in Britain where I live or on mainland Europe, this is a wolf that will come to our door. There is more at stake in Ukraine than Ukraine. If the butchery of the Ukrainian people is not enough to make us sit up and properly support Ukraine, and it should be, Mm. we need to realise that Russia actually has been, is waging a war on, on the West and on NATO and has been waging a hybrid war for at least the last 10 years. Yeah. If they were to succeed in Ukraine, there is no doubt they will not stop in Ukraine. Ask Kira or ask those people in the Baltics who, who, who know what dealing with Russia is like. Cormac Smith, former strategic communication advisor to the foreign minister of Ukraine from 2016 to 2018. Thank you for your time. And Kira, thank you as always. Kira Rudik is a people's deputy of Ukraine, a member of the Ukrainian parliament. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.